Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You are about to listen to the Hacking Your Potential podcast with Frankie Thomas. Join Frankie and uncover the secrets of those who achieved greatness. Let their wisdom and experience inspire you to transcend mediocrity and strive for excellence. Take the first step towards an extraordinary life and start your journey today. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of Hacking Your Potential. I'm Frankie Thomas, your guide on this journey through the stories of those who strive to maximize their potential, breaking boundaries, and defying expectations. Today, we have a special guest who has not only impressed me with his skills and discipline, but also with his remarkable ability to connect with people. Genuine, interested, and always sincere in his interactions. A man I'm proud to call a friend. Meet Daniel Okuro. Daniel's journey is nothing short of inspirational. From the heart of Nigeria, he dreamt of mastering cybersecurity. Not one to merely dream, he packed his bags, embarked on a journey to a brave new land, the United Kingdom, with his partner and child by his side. An epitome of discipline, resilience and responsibility, Daniel's story showcases the limitless bounds of human potential. His passion to learn, combined with the love for his family and unwavering commitment to his dreams, paints a picture of a man whose insights are invaluable. So, as we peel back the layers of his journey, I'm sure we all have something significant to learn from his experiences. Ladies and gentlemen, brace yourself for an hour of inspiration, discovery, and more as we dive into the life of the remarkable Daniel Okuro. Daniel, thank you for um, joining me today on Hacking Your Potential. Um, It's a pleasure to have you on, and uh, thank you so much for getting so early, getting up so early to meet me as well. So, uh, Daniel, the reason I wanted to speak to you today was because you know, I was really impressed with the way you approached me and the way you, um, the, the way you use words, basically. I think it's a really successful way to network. But um, just so people get to know you a little bit better, uh, how did you get into cybersecurity and IT? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. So how I got into cybersecurity and IT, it's, it's a whole long story. I'll try to like keep it short. So growing up, you know, right from childhood, there's something about children and we just get to do what our parents uh, are doing. So my dad was an architect, so he was always drawing. You know, when you get up by this kind of hour, you find him at the table or decks having some paper, sketching something. And I was always seeing him do those things. So organically, I started drawing. That was the beginning of my story. And then, you know, somewhat that just opens you to creativity, opens your mind up to you know, doing stuff. So it started with um, losing everything in the house. <laughs> so well, why that tends to us uh, more like electrical engineering, you know, you're, you're losing the video recorder, the cassette player, the broken TV, trying to see the tube inside, you know, for we that grew up in uh, the the late 90s, um, the early, early um, 1980, you know, thereabout. So that was just the culture of losing everything in the house that is broken and then trying to get it all fixed. So the whole journey started, or like I won't call it a fortunate mistake, when my dad got me a computer, because I was meant to be an architect. I was drawing uh, floor plans and all of that, Tom and Jerry, and all of those things. But my dad got me a computer, and then I think that should be around, um, probably I was like 11, thereabouts, something. So there was this Windows 2000, then I can't forget Dangerous Dave having to load that program, you know, and all of those things. So I got so used to seeing the whole black prompt, the whole computer black prompt from Windows 2000, uh, Windows 98 thereabouts. So um, that started the journey. So the obsession with computers just started video gaming and everything. And, you know, I just naturally just started shifting my whole, uh, let's say, um, desire towards anything computing. So um, just to back it up, so I had a, I had that childhood growing up and then got into university and it was time to choose a course. Um, there's an episode of secondary school. I was supposed to be an art student, but somehow I switched to science, even though I had very, very terrible grades. You don't want to see that. Uh, <laughs> so getting into university, 
um, I decided to pick a course information and communication technology. So that was the whole being the, the beginning of my journey into IT. So I studied IT. Um, well, in school, I was distracted a whole lot because I played soccer. I have some medals and all that stuff. And my desire, my goal was to build apps, actually. That was what I had. I was like, okay, I want to build stuffs. I want to have an app that could like share, I could share information with people. Well, growing up, I was a little bit religious. So I was like the whole religious information. So I want an app that could spread, you know, information. That was my whole goal, just that. So I think that was the beginning of IT. Then cybersecurity started seven years down in, down the line in my career. I got talking with a friend, Patrick. Patrick Giwa, he's, he's right here in London. He's a, he's a tech guru, a product manager. And he was like, hey, cyber is cool. You need to check out cyber. You know, it's it's a skill that is needed in the industry. And, you know, like one terrible thing, I'll save that talk for later just in case if it's going to pop up. I I was very, very comfortable in my comfort zone. I was like, mm, I'm a network engineer, you know, on-premise guy, I have experience. Do I need to start changing career? You know, transition is very, very difficult, especially when you don't have the right people to talk to. So I talked to Patrick a whole lot and he was encouraging me, hey, think of cyber, think of cyber. I didn't even look at what cyber was, you know. I just went to an office, an international office in my country. I told the agent, hey, I'm looking for an admission uh, in the UK. And I was like, what's your budget? And I was like, anything, I just want cyber. They were like, you want cyber? And she was like, oh, you need to come up with um, a whole cover letter, like, and, and all that. Why I want to study cyber? And then uh, universities... Um, we are almost closing down. I think it was sometime in July, June. I said, okay, just find me any university that does cyber. She was like, oh, she has one for me. It's an online university. So I started reading about cyber. I had to come up with a whole, I had to blend my whole journey and my experience to why I want to study cyber. And man, I found myself doing cyber security. <laughs> That's a wicked story, Daniel. So let me get this right. So, you know, your journey started off young as a creative sort of, drawing designs your father was an architect so you sort of help I don't know if you're helping him but drawing designs with him and then you started you know messing around with gadgets and devices around the house and taking them apart there's actually so many people who get involved into they end up in cyber or they end up in IT it always starts from bashing things or trying to fix things I was one of those who had to take everything apart I never I never put it back together I put everything in a box (laughs) And I just had a pile of like circuit boards and wires and motors and you name it, it was in this box. So, um, so like I said earlier on at the be- well at the beginning of the show that the reason that I you know wanted to speak to you and the reason I became friends with you is because I love the way that you talk to people. So like the the way Daniel approaches people, you know, he's very you know he'll always like compliment you on things you've done. He he avoids talking about himself. He always makes sure that, you know, every time Daniel sends you a message, you feel good. And I think that's like, a, it's a really important point for networking. So apart from, you know, getting to meet me through the way you interact with people, do you have a lot of success with your networking through the way that you approach people? Well, thank you for the question. Um, so now uh, people, talking to people is... Um, it's not natural for me because I, I'm an ambivalent. I, I was more of an introvert growing up. So, you see, if you want to go far in networking, you have to put people first. You have to create genuine relationships. It has to be genuine. Like, you don't just, uh, let's back it up. Now, Frankie, when, when we were growing up, we, I don't think we had, um, social media that made, networking very very easy and effortless kind of you could just i could just bump into your face you know and say hey frankie i want to talk to you and then you just keep staring at that notification who is this guy do i have to talk to him you know let's back it up to our childhood now if i'm trying to get to mcdonald how do you get there you don't have google map to pull it up and then or you know look at it and all of those stuff you need to ask somebody so i need to like Excuse me, Frankie, please. Am I on the right path to McDonald's? Now, once you're polite, once, um, you know, you have your manners right or something, anybody who is kind enough, who is uh, not having the worst of day, will definitely try to help you. 
So, and have I been successful with networking? Well, yes. Talking to you now is a success story. <laughs> and so I don't know if I've tried to answer your question best I could. Yeah, so um, I, I love the point that you made about um, like when we grew up, we didn't have these phones. We didn't, you know, we couldn't just message people or go on Google Maps. We, you know, if we wanted to go and see our friends, we'd have to go knock on their doors and ask their mother if they were in. And, you know, you'd have to be polite to their mother or they'd probably crack you around the back of the head with something. <laughs> so, uh, but, it, but it does make sense. So, like, for instance, if you just go up to someone and ask for their help, there's a, there's a good chance they might say no. But if you go up to them and say, oh, mate, I, I love your jacket. Oh, by the way, while you're here, can you tell me where the McDonald's is? And he'd be like, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll even show you where it is, in fact. Do you want to know where I can get the jacket from? So it is a great point. I read a book. I'd advise anybody who really wants to network. I, I, I sometimes get this wrong, but it's um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by um, Dave Carnay, I think his name, or Dave Carnage or something. It was like it was a book written in the 1950s, and I read it about two years ago, and it's, you know, 50 years, 60 years, well, even 70 years later. God, these, the decades fly off the calendar, don't they? It was it was written almost seventy eighty years ago, and and the information in there is still relevant today. But no, yeah. So um, so like um, since we're on the topic of networking, uh, Daniel, like what? How important do you think networking is, especially in like IT and cybersecurity these days? Um, for me, scale of um, one to ten, I would say networking is eleven. <laughs> Sorry, I have to break the numbers, you know. So you see, it's, it's, I call it 11 because if you're looking at binary, <laughs> it takes two people to like tango. So you and I, we are talking to each other now because there's a genuine, um, interest, you know, that is bi bidirectional. So you see, uh, let's look at, as from my experience professionally, I would say, um, Rome is so great because they build what roads and it's only roads that will get you places. So it's the same thing if we bring that to our life, our career, our personal, you know, relationships. You need to build all of these um, relationships. They are very, very important. They are vital. It's going to take you places. So um, I, I won't say we should climb on people, but people are like ladders. So now you have an information for me to get to McDonald's. I'll stay on that um, foundation that we've laid. Um, without you, I can't get to where I'm going to. You know, I could just... Now, no matter how fast you're walking on the wrong direction, you, you're never going to get to your destination. But if you're on the right direction, you will easily get to where you're going to. So if I want to go to London, and instead of boarding um, King Cross, heading, um, heading towards London, I choose to board the metro, which is taking me the other way around. I will never get to my destination. So it's very, very important. You know, um, I, I really commend you for remembering the names of author of books, I only just remember the title. I just like to stick with the title. Uh, but if I get to read like two or three of your books, I will stick your name within them, land somewhere in my memory, and then probably become saved in a tuple instead of some list that could be replaced. Um, so there are so many books that will help you with networking, how to talk to people and influence, you know, talk to anyone. Uh, there are so many books out there, like off the shelves that could get you, you know, building those skills. But uh, like me, I never read any of those books. I was an introvert. I was always in my corner. I went to a boys-only school. That's weird to tell you. So I wasn't used to, like, um, interacting a lot with people, you know. Uh, we, we, we got to talk about weird things in school. Um, so the importance of networking is an 11. So you need to network with people, your peers, you know, try to get yourself a mentor, try to get yourself, um, you know, like, people who you could bounce right ideas off. So um, it's very, very, very important. And then there's an idea I have in my head, which I call people stacking. Now, just like your web browser, when you get to visit um, Google and then you visit Facebook, probably on the same tab, and then you visit um, YouTube. Now, you could always go back to the back, back tab you get. So it stacks that information for you. You could always go back. So now if you stack up people like that. Now, I know Frankie. Now, Frankie knows Marco. <laughs> now, I have a direct access to Marco. Now, because Frankie knows Marco, Marco knows uh, 
probably King Charles. I have access to King Charles. So that's your network. So you see, just like um, the, the protocols of the internet connect us effortlessly to people and to places, people connect you to things you can't imagine. Now, you can't even connect to a dead person by his books. So that is still a form of networking. So you have to just keep networking on the go. <laughs> no, I love that point that you just made about, um, you know, if I know Marco, Marco might know Prince Charles and then you have direct access to Prince Charles. Because when you think about it in that sort of sense, I guess like we all have the ability or the potential to um, connect to every single person in the world through just one person, you know, because uh, unless there's, you know, one person who is completely isolated and doesn't know anyone, I think technically we are connected. So the more like the more of those tabs you can open up, the more, let's say, um, sort of like, you know, redirectory links you're going to find inside them pages, which are going to bring you to new, new, new websites to find new information. So no, I, I, I totally understand as well. Like networking for me, it, it's really important. Like I, I got into cyber thinking cause I was sick of, like I tried to be a PT and like, I started to realize the main thing for being a PT was, you know, dealing with clients, you know, understanding their needs and really using the psychology to get inside their, their mind and figure out who they are. And I thought, I just want to go to the gym. So I thought, I, I got into cyber and I thought, right, I can just sit behind my computer typing away. I don't have to talk to anyone. And then very quickly I realized, no, you, you need to network here as well. So I thought, no, let's start figuring out how to work with people because I'll say this to anybody listening. If you think you can do this on your own, and even InfoSec Pat said, you know, he just tried to stay in his lane, stay in his lane. And even he figured out, you know, that eventually you're going to have to start speaking to people. And, and the main goal in life as well, the main goal in life is to try and help people. You know, even you hear about the, the richest people in the world, the millionaires, billionaires, whatever. You know, a lot of them, they, they, they spend a, a good chunk of their money on trying to help people who need the money because they realize very quickly that they don't actually need the money. So the end goal is always to help people. So why not start there? Uh, yeah, that was wicked, man. You see, you had a very, very good uh, points with um, helping people. So, uh, well, I'm someone who my parents have helped a lot, you know, to bring me up to this point. So, and then we just have to keep on connecting with people like, um, you see, there's a lot happening in the space of charity and every organization is involved now with um, doing something for the community, for the local community uh, to help people, you know, get places. So it's important. And uh, I want to say something and then no futures. You see, uh, I kind of transition into uh, coming to the West has really helped me, you know, first thing first and without networking, I wouldn't have stumbled on things called um, podcasts now uh podcast has been a game changer for me it's it's it's, it's helped me a whole lot now being that i could connect with great minds like yours listening to um the saints uh, you guys have to help build my potential more into getting into the world of cyber you know it's it's, it's very very great and then there are different um, channels where you could help people now financial is very very good if you can help somebody with um, probably one pound, it's, it's, it could go a long way to get him maybe some burger or something to put something in his tummy. Now, if you can help somebody with a resource, uh, it could be books, it could be a YouTube channel, it could be a podcast like yours. And, you know, there are other, I don't want to start mentioning a whole lot. It's, it's, there are so many ways to help people. So that's a very, very good point. Yeah, well, I think no matter what you do, you know, if you've if you've got a ton of money in your hand, you should be it should all be the same. So if you've got a ton of money in your hand, you should be thinking, how can I use this to help somebody or help, you know, help anybody? Like I always think like, is my mother okay, you know, does she need money? So I thought, right, how can I help people new to cyber? I was like, well, for a start, I'm new. And I thought my work ethic, like the way my grit, basically my superpower is my grit, my get up every morning, my, you know, do all the things I have to do and make sure they're done every day without laziness. So 
that's something I do have professionalism in, professionalism in. So I thought, right, well, I'll try and base my show around my strengths and also base it around my weaknesses. So my weaknesses is cyber, you know, penetration testing and stuff. It's something I'm going at and going at and going at. It feels like a never-ending story. But the things like, you know, mindset and networking and getting up and getting the job done and things, certain things you can do, certain books you can read that are going to change your life, I can share that with people in the knowledge that I know exactly what I'm talking about because I've done it, it's working for me. So I wanted to share that with people. So that was my approach and how can I help people? You have to be able to use your strengths to help people build up their strengths basically. Because you can't just say, you can't just start saying stuff like, you know, go to the gym and drink more water and eat less. You know, you have to actually be doing these things and showing results for them to work. Yeah, you're, you're very, very right. You've said too many points in one, you know, that's uh, you're, 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 you're a bank of knowledge, you know, you're a bank of action. I really admire how you do do this stuff, like get up 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you know, like, um, except if I have something I'm thinking about that would like trigger my biological alarm clock, I don't think I'll be awake by 2, 3 a.m. Um, but one thing I discovered, you see, there's this book, Atomic Habits. It's it's a book like, um, I would love everybody in your spare time, even if it's like 10, 15 minutes a day to a page, just just get a paragraph from it, you know. Um, it's, it's a powerful book. So if we could just form those habits. Now, it's very, very easy for you because you've done it consistently, at least maybe for like every two, you start probably, I want you to just, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking turns this time. Now, you see, how did you start this habit? Let's start from there. Like, the very first time you wanted to build this habit of, okay, I want to get up every morning by two, and then by three, I want to meditate, uh, and I want to think, I want to plan my day, I want to schedule, and then by four, I want to take a glass of water, I want to do this, by five, I want to go for my road walk. How did you start that? <laughs> well, it, it started earlier than where I'm going to start the story from, but I, the, the, the part, the point the, the, where it really grasps me, it was a book again. It was a book called The, the 5am Club, and I forget who, who wrote it, but this book, The 5am Club, and it's, it, honestly, I, if, I, if I was you, I'd go out and grab it. It's, um, it's sort of a, it's sort of a help, it's sort of a self-help book, but it's, um, it's written in the form of a story. So there's like this woman and this guy, they're, you know, they're not happy in their lives. A woman's just lost her business because she got pushed out by the partners or something who's threatening to kill her and stuff. And this other guy's there as an artist and, you know, he's not doing well, he's overweight, blah, blah, blah. And they go to this talk and this, there's this billionaire there and he's telling everyone what they need to do and, and they're, they're sort of like, oh, this is bullshit, you know. But then um, he actually pulls them out of the crowd and offers them to go on a retreat with them. So these two people, the artist and the businesswoman, they go out on this retreat and through the story as they like go for dinner and go for this, it gives you little action points all the way through. But to cut a long story short, basically the main idea was wake up at 5am, get up at 5am every day and do a bunch of stuff. So for instance, I'd wake up at 5am, I'd go downstairs, I'd do my push-ups, I'd do sit-ups, I'd do whatever, whatever workout I was doing that day. Then I'd go back upstairs, I'd meditate for a little bit, and then I'd, I'd use that meditated time to start writing my feelings in a journal. And then I would, um, I'd go out for a walk at like 6am when the streets were still quiet and I was wide awake. And by 8 o'clock, I'd got so much stuff done, I was like, this is really good. And, and, and don't get me wrong, at first, I wasn't just getting up at 5 a.m. and happy to do these exercises. It was tough, man. It was tough. It was tough. I didn't want to get up every single day. I did not want to get up. But that 5 a.m., once I started doing that for like a year, two year, it turned into 4 a.m. And then it turned into 3 a.m. And then it actually got to the point where I was getting up at like 1 a.m. Because one night I'd come home from work, like I work on a construction site, carrying scaffolding, carrying windows all day, man. And it's, and it's physically, you know, physically demanding work. So I come home one day and I think I was, uh, well, I was doing TCM stuff. I was working on TCM, like uh, just taking notes and following along with the videos. 
and I just could not stay awake. I was drinking an energy drink. I drank the energy drink and I was still exhausted. It was like 7, 7 p.m. So I went, I was like, I'm going to bed. I went to bed and my, my biological clock is six hours and I'm, and I'm up no matter what time I go to sleep. So I, I went to sleep at 6 p.m. and I woke up at 1 a.m. And I, I got up, I walked around the house and I was instantly, my brain thought like, come on, let's go back to bed. It's 1 a.m. And then I thought, no, I've been asleep for six hours. I'm awake. Let's do some work before I have to go to work at 7 a.m. So then I managed to get like six hours of pretty much solid working in the morning. And I thought, this is genius. So I'd get up at one o'clock in the morning. I'd do six hours of work on the computer with my brain switched on. I'd go to work. I'd be tired at my, I'd be tired at my job. I'd be mentally tired at my job, which is great because they don't pay me to think. They pay me to lift stuff. So I'd go there and then I'd come home, have some food, get a shower, straight to bed, do it again, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And before I knew it, I was, bit, I was creating documents every single day. I was flying through all my study work. And, and this is pretty much how I ended up to where I am now. I will say at first, when you start building these habits, to, to the people who are listening then anyways, when you start building habits like that, at first, you're going to be really anal about them. You're going to be writing down everything. Like Daniel said before, you know, drink water at 4 p.m. Or, or, or do meditation at this time. At first, you'll start being like that. But once you start getting into it, you'll realize you can be more relaxed. And, you know, maybe you don't want to meditate this day or maybe you don't want to work out that day because you've already put in the groundwork. You can start to pick and choose what you want to do. And after, I don't know, I'd say after about three years, it starts to become very more relaxed. So um, apo apologies, Daniel. Um, I, I, I won't keep going on about that. Do you have any, any points to add to what I just said? Oh, well, that, that's very, very wicked. You know, like, um, it's, it's good you've told me how you got into it. Um, I won't go into how I got into it because um, uh, I would just like to iterate some points. So what I would like to add is, you see, now, atomic habits, you, you, you started doing that thing and it just became part of you. Like you, you, your system has been trained. It's just more like the neural networks of today. Like your system has learned that pattern. So our brain is powerful and then you just have to keep feeding it. You need, you need to just consciously tell it what to do. And then your, I believe the computer of today is modeled after our brain. So once our brain has gotten those instructions saved into the non-volatile memory, you just find yourself organically doing all of these things. So the only point I'm going to add is um, now I believe you've helped me with information and then uh, your, your great audience uh, that are tuned in too uh, are going to pick out something from this. So now I want to just say something before I close this point, you know, talking about helping people. You see, uh, my dad, I grew up seeing him helping people all his life. He was a man of sacrifice, like he just like you give your sweat at work, you know lifting all those stuff just to give yourself and your family a good life and all those stuff. So he sacrificed everything for us and not just us for um, our relatives, for strangers, you know, and all those stuff. So I saw him growing up. I, I grew up seeing him do all of those things. So it became my habit to try to help people. Well, sometimes from the emotional point of view or just naturally. Now, you see, I lost my dad somewhere when I was in um, university, you know, during my first degree. And because of that, like, as a family, um, we chose to now make it a culture of helping people. So, and then we said, okay, how can we help people? Like, how could we um, give back to life, you know, that my dad lived and then give back to the community, give back to just whoever. So we have to just keep on, how can we impact people? Now, You've impacted me with your life journey. So what we did was um, we started a school, uh, you know, and then this school just um, helps people that, you know, want to get quality education for at low tuition. And then another thing we did was to start a foundation, like a non-governmental foundation, non-profit, and then it's to like try to help people get back to education. You know, I come from a third world country or a developing country, and put it that way. Where, you know, um, the economy, we have different issues, you know, trying to like grow and become like you guys here in the UK. So we have a lot of people that are out of school. You know, we have a lot of people that are struggling with um, habits. We have a lot of people that are struggling with life. And so we started a foundation, you know, just to honor my late dad. And then the goal is just to help people get educated. 
Help people get back to school. Help them with either books. Help them with resources. Help them with just so many things. And then, you know, that's just been one thing that has kept me going. I'm living my life, not just for myself, but to help people. So thank you, Frankie, for telling me your story. And then uh, it's, it's pleased to learn from you today also. No, and thank you for telling me yours. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your father as well, Daniel. I know it's, it's hard to lose the people we love in our lives. But at least he, um, at least he left a, a grand example for you. And I don't know if you have any brothers or sisters or for you and your family members to actually go out and help people. I think that's why mentorship is so important. So I know your father isn't there now, but you still live on in your memory of being helping people, which means that you're going to go out and help people, which means your daughter will see you helping people. And it, it creates a new cycle of positive reinforcement for the next generation. So I think um, starting from your father, I'm, I'm sure your grandfather, maybe he was really helpful and, you know, wanted to help people as well. Maybe that's where your father learned from. So to keep it going. So um, since we're sort of talking about the points of fatherhood and, you know, stuff like that, I know that you're a father. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I'm a father as well. So I, I understand them. Um, so um, how I always love to ask this because um, I pers personally for tips for myself, but, you know, I know there's lots of people who are not, I don't like saying the word struggling. We're not struggling. We're, we're moving forward at our own paces, but, you know, who have children, and, you know, they're trying to balance studying and breaking into cyber with, you know, changing nappies and making bottles. So um, how do you do it, Daniel? Wow. Well, it's, it, <laughs> I had to take that deep breath, you know, because it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's like, um, there's no, there's no, let me start with this, you see. There's no journal, there's no blueprint to how it's done. And then, um, like they say, different um, strikes for different folks, something like that, you know, I don't can't remember that quote. So it will work differently for different people. And each of us, are, we have unique um, situations, you know, in life. And so fatherhood is something that will, it's, it's, it's life-changing, let me put it this way. So I'll try to answer this question in a, in in a very good way you see mentorship is very very important now i never saw my dad as a mentor but he just made me realize that he was my first mentor because naturally now you you tell your child hey hey stop that stop that he's not going to stop that he's going to keep doing that thing but now your child might forget the instruction you're giving him but he will not forget the things he see you doing He's never going to forget the things he see you doing. So if you are waking up early to read your book, now, how did I start drawing? Because I saw my father always with a pen on his book. And I, so I can't remember how I started, but I want to imagine that because I saw him doing that, I started doing it too. I always take a pen, a paper, and I'm writing. So mentorship. We are going to come back to mentorship. Mentorship is everything. It's going to take you places. So now, for people who are fathers, or even if you're not father, once you, you have responsibilities in life, and look at it this way, changing dappies. <laughs> I'm now, I'm very skilled at changing diaper now, and I could do it with my eyes closed. And so you see, it's going to challenge you. I won't lie to you because... Like you said, it's not a struggle. I struggled with it at the beginning. You know, you need to um, get to work if you're working, get to school if you're schooling. Um, you need to balance it with your wife. And then, because your child, like here in the UK, is different from my home country. In my home country, you could have granny around to support you. You could have... Um, a nanny or something like um, what they call a child, like you know, a, a caretaker. You could go take your child to the nursery and all those stuffs. But here in the UK, the culture is different. So now, how, how has it worked for me? Because first of all, you have to build a team. So you see, when you want to get into the industry, organizations are going to be looking out for your transferable skills, your soft skills. 
Can you play in a team? So now your family is your first team. So I and my wife, we juggle these responsibilities. Now I have to go to school. Now I, I, I'm a full-time parent. Well, why do I say full-time parent? Because when I'm not studying, I'm parenting. The law says I can work only 20 hours. So now I had to bring in my family to help me stabilize. Now, when I came into the UK, I was all alone. So I was doing my own thing. Sometimes I go a whole day without eating. I'm studying, you know, I'm learning about cyber. I want to look about, look into the protocols. I want to, I want to jump on hack the box. I want to jump on, uh, I want to look at try hack me. I want to jump on, um, Gerald's channel. I want to jump on. Now there's information overload everywhere. We'll talk about that when we talk about mentorship. So now how do I balance this thing? Is, 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 there's no, there's no, now, you set an alarm that I want to study by um, 3 a.m. And then your child starts crying by 2.45. What do you do? You have to show up for your duty. <laughs> so it's, it's um, there's no um, rock, scissors, paper way it's going to work. But what I'm going to say is that, um, first of all, you just have to consciously have your goals in front of you. Let everything around you remind you about your goal. Put up stickers. I have a hack the box mark, which reminds me to hack. You know, let everything around you remind me, remind you about your goal. Look at your child every time you're changing that diaper. And then I want to give her a better tomorrow. To give her a better tomorrow, what are those things I need to do? As I'm changing that diaper, <laughs> I, 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 I need to give her a very, very good foundation. Something happened to me yesterday as a father. For the first time, my daughter picked up my pen and she, began, she was writing on my book. And I'm like, this is crazy. She's doing the thing she's seen me do. Now, whenever I'm studying, my daughter walks up to me. She leaves her, her toys, her cartoons. And then I, I got her this screen so she could watch her. Oh, sorry, you can't see the screen right now. But I got her a screen so that she could watch stuff. I got her, um, you know, toys and everything that could distract her. But she will leave what she's doing. She will come to me. She wants me to carry her. Why? Now, when I carry her, the next thing my daughter is trying to do is she wants to touch my keyboard because she's always seeing me, you know, always typing something. And I was like, oh man, again, I just want to study. I just want to break into cyber. I, I, I need to give cyber like five hours a day, six hours a day. And then she's always cutting down to one hour, two hours, sometimes none, no hour. So there's no, there's no, there's no real like stuff that will work. So, um, I tried something. I bought her a laptop. The laptop is fouled. I'd like to show that to you, you know. And then you can see it also if you're listening on, you know, you know, and all that stuff. But it didn't work. I'll be like, girl, press your laptop. It has sound. It has an interface where she could interact with. And then she will still come to me. She wants to press mine. Now, okay, I'll leave mine. I will sit down with her. Try to like, okay, let's press yours together. And then it worked. Once I'm there. So... Fatherhood determines you being present. So um, you just have to find a way that works for you. And the way that works for me is I do all of these things. Now, anytime she gets distracted with Miss Rachel or something or Grace's corner, I, I quickly, I run to my system or I run to my phone. I try to like listen to a podcast. I try to get on the next material I can, schoolwork. I try to meet up with deadlines and all of those things. So it may work for me, but when I'm tired, sometimes I find myself I'm sleeping off. It happens to me. And then one good thing my daughter does is that when I'm sleeping off, she comes to wake me up. It's just crazy. And so there's no dynamic to all these things. And then when my wife comes back home, I turn on my magic fire system. So my wife comes home like 7 o'clock from work, 7.30, and then... I try to see, okay, how can I study? How can I shower? Try to like get the best productive of myself before my, you know, physical strength wears down and then I go to bed. So um, there's no way just find what works for you and, you know, just build on it. Well, I think, I think what you said, um, it sort of made me think about the way I do it, you have to prioritize what's important. So, of course, the child's the most important. So there's no way, and you understand yourself, there's no way you can be like, you know, 
Shut up, Sota. My son's called Sota. I can't be like, shut up, Sota. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hack the box, you know. It just doesn't work like that. If he starts crying, I have to stop doing everything I'm doing. Make sure he's okay. And and I don't even think twice about it. I, I think you're right. It's different for everyone. But in my experience, just I don't even think about what I have to do with my child, you know. If, he's, if there's something wrong with him, I know if there's something wrong. I know if I've got time to work or not. I'm very fortunate. I do have a partner who's, you know, she's currently out of work looking after him. And, you know, she makes the dinners. She, she looks after him for me. So, because she, she really supports what I'm trying to do here. Exactly, man. Exactly, man. And then you see, fatherhood doesn't limit you. You see, life, you, you, have, you just have to keep learning. You see, the illiterate of the 21st century is that who, you see, the person who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. This is something I heard one of my late mentors keep saying, Professor O'Brien of Late Memory. And then she kept telling us these things back in um, college, you know. You have to just keep learning. You have to keep learning. So your status, your background, your educational status, your financial status, uh, your relationship status. We have some people who lost their partner, probably to childbirth or some unforeseen circumstances. And then, you know, life doesn't pause for you. While you can pause hacking the boss to take care of your child, life will not pause for you to get to where you want to go to. So there are people who are broken into their career at 40s, at 50s. So, you know, um, anything that will make you get to where you want to do, you just have to do it. Now, um, a friend of mine I met on LinkedIn, Stefan, said something. You know, Elon Musk, who is Elon Musk? He's one of the billionaires that are well-respected, the influential people of the world today. How did he become a rocket scientist? Elon Musk was locked up in his office for years studying how to be a scientist. Now, well, probably he didn't have a... Um, I don't know what his responsibility were in the family level that enabled him to do that, or probably he was single at that moment. It's something that, you know, we might have to like look at his biography and how he walked up, you know, the ladder. But what I'm trying to draw out of these stories, uh, you just have to keep on pushing. If it's one hour a day, I read something on Twitter from a carousel uh, um, on Twitter the other day that if you want to be good at anything, uh, there's this lady, a prominent lady, she, she works with Google that share that stuff. She said, all you need in a year is 100 hours to be very good in the field. And then it's going to put you at the 95% of people who are good at that skill at the end of the year. Well, why that numbers? It's, it's tricky because the 95 people, the people at the top in that skill, they, they are definitely improving. That's why they got there. So... But now when you break that to each day, it, you require just 18 minutes of focus on that particular skill of interest. So if you want to get into cyber, all you need every day is minimum of 18 minutes. My personal mentor I have currently, Vetkan Trama, he actually suggests that if you can give cyber two hours of your day, well, it might not be seven. It depends on what works for you. If you can give it two hours of your seven days of the week, perfect. If you can give it two hours of your five days of the week, perfect. Now, if you can do that consistently, well, you might fail some days. Maybe you're sick or just today, man, burnouts or whatever. Um, if you can just do that for the whole year, you're going to break into that field. So all you need is a year to break into anything, I believe, you want to get into. So that's for the entry level anyway. It depends on at what point you want to enter. We have different entry points, you know, into this field. So... And just to wrap it up there, like, just be committed. 18 minutes a day is more than enough. Try to prioritize. And for these 18 minutes, I, I want to just lock out. Now, whatever your distractions are, kill it. It's very, very difficult. So uh, you just have to identify what's distracting you. Aside from your responsibilities, if it's your child, your child cannot be your distraction. So if it's your phone, keep your phone away. <laughs> There's something very, very um, strange I do. When I wanted to do all of these things, I said, okay, when I stumbled on um, two podcasts that has helped me so far, Hacking Your Potential was one of them. I won't lie, no filters. And then um, the diary of the CEO who was shared with me by a friend. Uh, he's, a, he's a CEO of his own company in Coach House. His name is Noye. I call him Noye. So he shared that podcast with me. And then I watched that podcast. And then there was also a podcast my mentor shared with me. 
there's there's so many postcards. I don't want to start mentioning all of them. You know, just let's save our time. And then you see. Now, one thing I took out from all of these people who are trying to motivate us to be the best we can as to building our potentials like you're doing is you have to filter the noise. What are your noise? Your phone is one of them. We can't, our phone is very good. Technology is great, but it can be a distraction. So I did something. I set an alarm clock for one hour every day. So this alarm clock started by 6.45 because that's when my wife has to you know, leave the house. And then for every hour, this alarm goes off. Now, I didn't set what I want to do for every hour. But every hour, it just calls my attention. Hey, what are you doing, man? <laughs> now, another thing I did was I turned off all notifications from social media. I wanted to be intentional that I want to pick up this guy, okay? And then intentionally go into the app. Then that's when I'm going to see the notifications, the messages. Because when I keep hearing the ding, ding, the only thing I left is my, my, um, my calls, my call apps, so my phone app, message. And then I'm not trying to detect any app that anybody should leave. And that was the only app I started with. Then now when I start building the habit of not being distracted to an extent, I still get distracted. There's, I'm not perfect. I then included things like my email. And then I stopped there. I didn't want to include any social media app. So it's, it's helped me form the culture. So what I'm going to say is um, there's no perfect way to do these things because you might have an important... Imagine someone who is business on social media. He needs a social media app notifying him about stuffs. So just filter the noise. Now I stumbled on, I will end with this. I stumbled on something that said, the most productive app on your phone is the flight mode. It's not an app, but it's a function of your phone. See, you know, sometimes when you want to study, if your phone is a distraction, put it on flight mode. Man, you're going to get productive. Though you'll be thinking about the phone. Now Steve said something in, in, in his podcast, you see. Oh, no, sorry, that was Jetty Shea. Jetty Shea said something. Um, you know, like, there's a rule. I think it was Steve. There was a rule, the five-minute rule. Now, think about when you, when you think of your distraction. Procrastinate it. Tell, tell your mind, um, okay, yeah, I will pick up that phone five minutes later. And then it will help you just postpone that action for five minutes so take note of those things that distract you and then filter it i'll stop there because we could just go on and on and on and on no i wanted to um i actually wanted to add on a few points you said there actually so you were saying about the you know the you know if you do something every day over the course of a year you know you'll be you'll be ahead of most people I, I I fully believe that philosophy to be true, but I I sort of look at it from the the other side of the spectrum where I'm like even if you just do like like you said 18 minutes a day, miss a day, whatever, as long as you keep going, there's nobody on this planet who has done something consistently for 10 years and is not a professional in it, you know. And like if you can go 10 years of doing the same thing, you know, and get becoming the best at it you will beat most of the people just because they give up and they stop doing it. You'll, you'll surpass people just through their inability to carry on as long as you did. Never mind. Be, so for anybody who thinks they're not intelligent enough to do something, that's, that's bullshit. It, you know, you, you don't have to be intelligent. You have to be consistent. You know, intelligence doesn't come. I know there is, there's the exceptions. You know, some people are just geniuses and they can just put their hands to anything and be great at it in a couple of minutes. But for, for the majority of us, you know, it takes constant consistency to build these skills. And I personally, I give myself, I give myself year goals. I'm like, next year, I want this podcast to be doing well. Do you know what I mean? But in 10 years, I want to be an industry leader in cybersecurity. I want to be a, I, I want to pick, you know, a specific niche within the niche and, you know, be a, be a, a call that gets made when something big happens in what I've been doing for the last 10 years. So I break it down that way. But I also wanted to talk, I also wanted to talk about what you said about the phones as well. Flight mode is the best application on your phone. You know, um, I, I get so many people, well, not so many people, but a few people without saying any names, they'll send me a text message saying, oh, I'm so busy, I've got so much work to do, and they'll be tell, telling me about their work. 
and I'm like, all right, man, get it done, you know. And then it's like, yeah, I know, but yeah, I'm this and that, this and that. And I'm like, you're not getting the work done. This is why you. This is why you've got loads of work to do because you sat telling me you've got loads of work to do. Put the phone down. Put it on flight mode. Put it somewhere else. I understand some people can't put their phone on flight mode. You know, you have an important call. But what Daniel said, you know, turn off all the notifications. I think this is so important because you know that ding, ding, ding. You get a dopamine. You get a dopamine hit every time that ding goes off. You know, like imagine you're talking to a, a hot girl or, or a hot boy, if that's what you're into, and you're, you know, you're waiting for that message to go and you hear the ding, you get this rush, you'll get this rush through your body. That's, that's complete adrenaline and dopamine hit that. And that's, that's like taking a drug. So it's very dangerous, especially if you want to be good at things. You can't have, you can't keep hitting that fix, hitting that fix, hitting that fix. You need to turn it off. And it's, your brain will start to work so much better when you go, oh, do you know what? I haven't checked LinkedIn in a while. Let's go and have a look what LinkedIn's saying to me. And you'll have a bunch of messages and a bunch of notifications to go and look at. You can spend five minutes going through them all. And then you can get back to work. So if you if you are somebody who struggles with procrastination or procrastinating, um, put your phone on flight mode and, 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 and at least turn off the notifications on all your social media. I've deleted a lot of my social media. I only use them now for work. So I, I got a Twitter account because I wanted to speak to Anton, the RC, the real code execution man for a podcast. And that was how he prefers people to approach him. So I downloaded Twitter for that. I think I, I downloaded Instagram because someone was on there I wanted to speak to as well. But I only now, I, 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 the only app I use now is LinkedIn because, you know, I get to meet great people like you through LinkedIn. I think the only social, the only social media you really need to be social, and if you want to be a professional, is LinkedIn, really. I think it's definitely the, it's the top tier for professional networking you can, you can find for sure. You ain't going to find many cybersecurity guys hanging out on Instagram, put it that way. Nah, definitely not. So I'll take out something very, very important from what you say. See, you see, uh, <clears throat> you need to identify your platform. So what platform works for you? Because you can't be everywhere. Although I, I never deleted any of these apps. I just kept on training. I struggled with it, kept on training my mind. Uh, I used to be very active on all of them before. I was active on Facebook. I was active on Twitter. I was active on Instagram. I was active on... So imagine being everywhere. So imagine giving Facebook one hour a day, TikTok one hour a day, Twitter one hour a day, uh, Instagram one hour a day, and then probably you give LinkedIn one hour a day, the whole day is all gone. So you need to narrow these things down, identify the channel you need. So I, I cautiously, like for, for Facebook, I've not opened the app for like almost a day. So now, thank God for all these phones these days, Android phone. Uh, I started from Android before I migrated to Apple. Now there's, there's a feature, you see, we, we just get all these expensive gadgets and we're not using some of the features. Digital well-being helped me start these things. So I started looking at my phone and then what are the apps I'm spending time in? You know, uh, uh, every phone, Apple has also that functionality. Look at those dashboard. And then you could see that you're spending two hours of your day on, uh, I, I, I used to be a heavy gamer. There was a time of my life during COVID, for instance, I was playing games, say, eight hours a day. Seven hours a day. I play a game at work sometimes, you know. All of those crazy culture that I had to just you know, do away with and then so social media also is just the same thing. So I if you if you track all of these statistics, so data is something that is very, very important. Like in the UK, I appreciate what the UK is doing with data. Big data, it's like a whole crazy thing. So you need to go into these statistics and look at your productivity. What is eating me up? Because as a human being, imagine staying a whole week without eating, Frankie. What's gonna to happen to you? So you need to feed your soul. You need to feed your, your physical system. You need to feed the container that is going to keep you going. Just the same way, you need to feed your mind. You need to feed, see, your mantra, your chakra. You need to feed it also. Feed your spirit being. Feed your, you know, you need to feed every cell of your body with the right things. So if you can set that in straight, it's going to be a game changer. Now, having said that, once you identify the channel, just work out your time on how you can utilize it best. But there's something that's very, very important that I'm going to say just as we wrap up all these stuffs and then with the time we have left. Consistency is more important than um, any other thing else. So you just need to be consistent with what you're doing. So now, 
one thing is you need to always consciously remember what sets your soul on fire. What's that thing that keeps you attracted? So where do I want to be? Like you said, Frankie, where do I want to be in 10 years time? My first mentor, my father had me do that thing. When we were growing up, we wrote where we want to be in 10 years time. He said, I'm going to keep this paper and in the next 10 years, I'm going to show it to you. We're going to review the goals that you set down and then you're going to write the next for the next 10 years. Now, sadly, I lost him to continue this culture, but it's something that you just reminded me also. And this is something that all of us in my family had done. And right after this call, I'm going to remind all of us because we are, we are in different countries right now. My brother is in Netherlands. The other one is in Canada. My sister is here in the UK. My mom is in Africa. But it's something that I'm going to have all of us to review where we wrote for 10 years. And I want to write down, you've taught me something. I want to write down where do I want to be in the next 10 years? I'm going to be somewhere around my mid-40s in the next 10 years. Where am I going to be? Now, break this thing down into sizable chunk. You know, let's break it down to bit size. You know, break it down to packets that is trying to like float, flow through. Imagine your whole life as um, a packet that is being captured on Wireshark. So... I want to look at this bunch, um, probably like Chris would do, you know, Chris on YouTube. I, I love his masterclass. So I want to look at, look at life that way. Break these things down to what you want to do yearly, what you want to do monthly, what you want to do weekly, what you want to do daily if possible. My mentor gave me an Excel sheet that helped me track all of these things, my daily goals. So for any day that I, I, I get productive with my goals, I, I, I take a yes. And the days that I'm not productive, I take a no. At the end of the month, I'm going to use Python to do some dashboard, look at my productivity. So now, why this is going to work for me might not work for everyone, but there's no hard rule. There's something you, you, you say you do. You have a journal where you write down your thoughts in the morning. Now, imagine the kind of magic that creates for you for the rest of the day. So feed your focus. The way your body cannot stay without food is just the same way you need to feed your mind. Feed your focus, channel everything around you, channel the energy, channel your strategy, channel everything around you into productivity. No, you're absolutely right, Daniel. And what you said about, you know, feeding your mind, like I sort of look at, you know, like I'll, after I've been to the gym, you know, I'll have some kefir, some porridge with blueberries and strawberries and nuts and seeds and stuff. You know, that's what I'll eat. That's going to fuel my stomach good stuff. And like I sort of see like, you know, there's people who are people who are on social media all day or playing games on the phone all day. I see that as the equivalent of feeding your brain like a Big Mac and a KFC and, you know, washing it down with a large Coke. Like it, 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 you're doing the exact same thing to your mind as you are your body. But I think it's important to make this point because I don't think a, a lot of people actually know that's what they're doing. I think if people knew that, you know, scrolling through TikTok or scrolling through their Facebook was actually the same as, you know, eating deep fried chicken every single minute of the day and it was destroying their brain in the same manner, I think they'd stop, you know, I think they'd put it down and go, oh, wow, I didn't realize this is actually as bad as it is. I think people really underestimate the power of what these, I call them drugs, man, like especially TikTok. I went on TikTok and like I could not put I could not put it down. I was like, go, go, go. And I was like, whoa. I was like, that's I was like, that is some powerful stuff. That's more powerful than any of them. Yeah, man. It's crazy. You know, the same thing happened to me with Instagram, you know, you you know, if I all the platforms, you see, because you're just gonna keep seeing stuffs. Stuffs and stuffs and stuffs. Now, even if you set an alarm clock that you want to use your social media for one hour, that's not going to happen. You're going to use it for one hour, 30 minutes. You're going to use it for two hours because you're going to see the next interesting thing that you would love to watch. Now, but you see, social media is not bad. It connects us to people. Without social media, I won't be talking to Frankie today, but um, we have to just consciously learn on the go. There's this movie that's very, very, um, that, that has taught me a lot, Inception. And it's a movie I, li I like to watch over and over again, you see. Learn from everything if possible. Learn from, just, you just have to keep learning, man. So there's no hard rule to read, but the more you can channel your productivity, the better for you. You know, there are people who are into branding, who are into, um, their influencers. Well, why, why they need to sleep on social media every day? Someone who wants to hack his potential into getting cybersecurity, definitely that's not going to work. 
So uh, I, I, I 200% agree with you, Frankie. Well, there's a good, you made me think of a good point there where um, there are people who are on, you know how, like, I don't know, especially on TikTok anyways, it's probably on Instagram shorts, but you know the people are like, five ways to be more productive or five ways to become the better you or 10 ways to become the best man you can be. It's like, okay, right, this is all great advice, but people get very confused by thinking, oh, yeah, I'll keep listening to this advice. This is great advice. I- I'm, not, I'm not scrolling on my phone. I'm, I'm getting actionable points for my life, but they're not actually taking these actual po- these points and putting them into action. So, like, they're, they're scrolling through, and, yeah, they're, but they're still just feeding the junk because, like, you can, if you sit there and watch uh, motivational videos, basically, aren't they, to, to motivate you to get up and do something, if you keep watching motivational videos all day, that's not being motivated. <laughs> that's just the same addicted scroll. And you can watch one of those videos and put two of the hundreds of points you've just seen into action and you're going to have a great life straight away. Yes, it is great advice, but it's not being utilized properly by most people. They're still just scrolling and they're being tricked into believing that they're doing something good for themselves by watching the motivational stuff. Uh, exactly, man. Exactly, man. Uh, you, you, say, you said it right. See, like, there's no hard rule, but motivational videos, I, I, I was in that trap, you know. The, the, the internet has information. There's information overload. So um, I've watched countless videos. And so what I think now works for me is this. uh, I kind of schedule time. Okay, first of all, I started with, I've not gotten it perfect yet, but I started with, I want to start my day with a podcast. And then I wake up every morning and then I try to turn on a podcast. And then uh, I try to listen to it. All right, and then when the podcast is done, most podcasts last for like one hour. They're about there's some shorter ones, thirty minutes. You know, there are some that are like um, like like seasonal themes. You know, just more like you watching um all, the, all one of these shows. You know, and you see if you just get stuck watching YouTube videos hour after hour after hour, that's crazy. Like you said, you're not motivated. Now, the only time this thing is going to work for you is when you start creating actionable points. In fact, one thing I'm doing right now is I'm not out there watching podcasts every day anymore. What I want to do is, it's just like reading a book. Um, I want to watch a podcast, watch it again, or sorry, listen to a podcast, or if it's a YouTube video or whatsoever it is, or if it's a book, I want to read a book, write down things from it. Or even if I'm not writing, writing is good. Write down things from it, from it. Those who think on paper think better. So write down things from it. Then try to apply it to my life. Now, listen to that podcast again. <laughs> well, it might sound redundant, but, you know, something that you, you've heard twice or you've seen twice or you've heard twice or three times, it will stick more. It's just like revising for an exam. So now we, we, we try to hack systems, you know. Uh, then you're, you're trying to like craft some payload, you know, trying to, uh, you know, remember some syntax. Um, you, you do your whole scanning, you know, walk your way up through 7Q chain or some framework or whatever. And then the next time you're trying to hack something, you need to sometimes refer to those resources because you might not remember exactly what worked this particular time. So, but now as you keep doing these things, you keep taking those action points, you know, repeatedly, it it sticks to you. And then before you know it, you just, you start throwing all those commands there and all those flags, you know, you're using your MMAP, you know, or you're you're, you're crafting your call or you're you're working out some search exploit payloads, driving with Python and all of those things, or, you know, you're using the tools better. So, um, like you said something, start taking steps, start doing, trying to like apply, listen to one podcast today, apply it for the rest of your day. When you wake up the next day, if you want to start with a podcast too, listen to that podcast, apply it across all of your day. Now, if you start successfully doing all of these things that the person's advising you to do, man, you're going to, in fact, one year is too long. You're going to break you're going to break into this magic, uh, like I say, world of productivity. No, it's a great point. And um, 
Let me think for a second, Daniel. Yeah, that was it. So you um so you were saying about, you know, you know, watch a podcast and actually put that into action. Like if you just I did this with Try Hack Me, so instead I wasn't taking notes. There's a reason why I got into the top one percent of Try Hack Me so quickly. And it's because I was I was playing for speed, I wasn't playing for knowledge. I was completing a room, I was capturing the flag, I was like, oh, on to the next one. I was addicted to, like, surely, um, surely you've, have you rooted a box before? Oh, yeah, I, I've done so many of that, you know. I started like you, I was on Hack the Box, and I was following those walkthrough, rushing through it, and, you know, you know, and all those stuff. So I'll, I'll get back to what I was saying. So you've, so you've rooted a box before, so you understand the rush you get, don't you, when you, you know, when you finally... Complete it. So it's the same. It's like a drug. So like, so I would do that. And then I was like, oh, this feels great. So I'll do it again. 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 And thank God for my mentor. He basically stopped me in my tracks. He was like, he was like, how are you so far on try hack me? Because he was doing the red team pathway as well. And he's like, he's a seasoned penetration tester. He's like, how the hell are you doing this as a beginner? I said, because I'm just flying through it. I said, I'm, I'm sort of finding the answers, you know, and then I'm like, you know, because I didn't know what I was doing. I thought, I don't know the answers, so I need to find the answers. And then hopefully I'll just start to learn it as I keep doing it, which has worked that way. But he, he said, well, what about your notes? And I said, I haven't been taking notes. He was like, okay. He was like, what's SQL? He was like, what's SQL injection? Explain it to me. I was like, well, I've done it, but I can't explain it to you. He was like, okay, what's cross-site scripting? I was like, ah. I was like, you've got a point. And um, I'm actually, I'm going to have to wrap up here, Daniel, because I'm late for the gym and my trainer's going to be, he's going to be angry with me. And he, he's, he's already, um, if I turn up late, he's going to make me work harder than he already does. You have to stay committed. You know, this is you taking steps, you know, taking like your actions. So you, you have a commitment and you're trying to keep to it. So hit the gym, break those muscles, man. And that concludes our inspiring journey with Daniel Okuro. A testament to the incredible heights we can reach when we combine passion, determination, and genuine human connection. For all our listeners, we hope Daniel's story has touched you, inspired you, and perhaps taught you a thing or two about what it truly means to hack your potential. If you have enjoyed today's episode, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. We have many more fascinating guests lined up and can't wait to share their stories and insights with you. Remember, each one of us has the potential to achieve greatness. It's all about determination, resilience, and never ceasing to learn and grow. Until next time, this is your host, Frankie Thomas, encouraging you to keep pushing, keep exploring, and keep hacking your potential. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hacking Your Potential podcast with Frankie Thomas, part of the ITSP Magazine podcast network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine podcast network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit itspmagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.